Welcome, pudding people, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Other host. <laughs> we have an excellent episode for you today. We have a special guest by the name of Marcuson Nasso. Is it Nasso or Nasso? It's Nasso. Nasso. I knew I was going to get that wrong the first time. As soon as I said it, this is kind of a recurring theme. I get to butcher every single person's name that I deal with, unless it's Smith or, you know, Jason, and it's, it's done. I'm, I've just gotten it. At least it's consistent, though. It is right? consistent. Right? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, hopefully yeah, well, I will. I don't have to remember your names. I just have to call you Pudding Guys. That's yes, right. That's there we right. go. <laughs> so for those of you who are not completely familiar with this gentleman, I was hoping that maybe you could give us a brief description of who you are and what you do. Yeah, hello. I'm Mark Hassan. Uh, I'm a comic book writer and uh, an editor. Um, on, on the side, and um, so I'm really focusing on putting out comic books, and, and the comic book that I'm working on currently, in its third volume, is Voracious, and it's about a chef who travels through time, kills dinosaurs, and serves them at a restaurant in the present. Fun. Yeah, it, the the artwork on the comics, if you haven't seen it, is really pretty fantastic. It's uh, lighthearted and uh, kind of reminiscent uh, maybe I'm, I'm probably doing a bad comparison here but it made me just a little bit think of the art uh related to, to archer a little bit that kind of thicker thicker lines yeah jason's a he's an amazing artist and he's definitely grown a lot since the book started so uh, i can't believe how much uh he's improved and changed his style and just i think he's really hit upon something great so have you been a comic book fan for a long time? Is this is this something that's been in the process uh, of developing, or is this a more recent interest for you? Um, I've been a comic book fan since I was five. Um, yeah, I've been reading comic books since I was little. Uh, started off with Batman 431. That's how geek I get with this. Wow. Uh, which I have framed right above me in my office. So, yeah, my mom took me to the mall one day and I saw this image of Batman hanging upside down from a tree uh, on the front of a comic book and uh, picked it up, read it, and that was it for me. And I've been reading them ever since. Um, I started real young when I was about five, but didn't really get into collecting. Um, and then that Batman came along when I was around 12. And then uh, I've been reading comic books ever since. As far as writing comic books goes, um, you know, I've been a writer for a while. I didn't really think about writing comics too much until recently. I would say maybe about five years ago. So since you've been interested in this for a long time, who are some of your, we'll start with the easy part, who are some of your favorite characters, things that just piqued your interest and got into your head and just wouldn't go away? I assume probably Batman because of that is one of them. Yeah, Batman's a big character for me. Uh, my favorite character is Daredevil. Um, when I got that Batman book, my mom took me to a comic book store. I grew up in Syracuse, New York, uh, in Liverpool, which is just outside of Syracuse. Um, I'm in uh, Chicago now. but um, So when she took me to that store, you know, a whole new world of comic books opened up. I didn't realize there were so many. Um, and the big ones for me were X-Men. Uh, Wolverine and then Daredevil and a writer by the name of Annie Nascenti was working on Daredevil at the time and uh, she really made me fall in love with comic books 
And I'd also say uh, Peter David. He worked on uh, The Incredible Hulk for 12 years. Oh, yeah. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. And, um, you know, his style is something, you know, I guess I try to put into my book. Definitely not as well, but... Um, I love how he he was basically doing Joss Whedon-esque stories before Joss Whedon came along, where you had a lot of humor, um, heart, um, you know, serious issues, um, and a really good play between the characters. And so um, I really love Peter David. And Anna Senti was, was similar. She did a lot of weird stories where Daredevil was not in Hell's Kitchen, New York. Uh, he was on the road, and he would meet up with these crazy characters, and I just love that idea, that concept of Daredevil on the road. Hmm, fun. So uh, would you say that kind of growing up, and, and we had some discussions about uh, this kind of stuff before too, like more recently, you know, maybe starting in the 90s, you saw a lot more of a lot more of the things on TV, cartoons, movies, and things like that. And you said some of your favorites were, uh, besides Daredevil or X-Men, did you find that they were a little bit more, uh, let's say, attainable? Like you could go to places and find more of those types of comic books than, let's say, maybe some other ones? Uh, In the 90s, you mean? Yeah, or like when you were kind of growing up and kind of getting into your favorites. I didn't have any problems getting uh, books. I actually read a lot of indie books uh, growing up, too. Um, Nexus uh, by Mike Barron and Steve Root is one of my favorite books um, from uh, First Comics when that was coming out. So um, the comic book store I went to, it's no longer in Syracuse anymore. It was called Captain Comics, and they had everything. It was a huge store. Um, you know, Grimjack, you know, all these little indie books nice. were there, and then all the mainstream books, too. Um, but yeah, X-Men, uh, it was easy to get them. So I, I think I got pretty much anything I wanted there. And I've been getting the previews catalog. So uh, Diamond, uh, which is the distributor of comic books. So all comic book companies have to go through Diamond. They basically have a monopoly. And so you do uh, solicitations through Diamond. And they put out a catalog. And it previews books that come out two months in advance. So as soon as I went to Captain Comics, they told me about this catalog. And it was free at the time. And you just go through it and pick out what you want. And then you can add to your subscription. So even if uh, I didn't see books on the rack, which wasn't often, I could order whatever I wanted. And uh, I've been uh, using that catalog ever since. A lot of people don't, but uh, but I love it. So you always find some unique gems. Oh, the diamond catalog, that's a beast. I mean, that thing is, is thick. Uh, yeah. It's it's kind of amazing. It's one of the two. It's one of the two key tools of any true comic book fan, or at least now I might be dating myself a little bit with this one. But it was always either the the diamond that you're talking about or the Overstreet Price Guide. Those right. those yeah. are the two. Yeah, they were Wizard Magazine. Also had the Price Guide in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Wizard Magazine? Oh, yeah. We were just talking to John Parrish uh, last night, and we got into a bit of a discussion about Wizard Magazine. <laughs> oh, cool. I know John. Yeah, he was right next to me at uh, the NWICon. Exactly. We mm-hmm. we, uh, we are not shy about uh, asking to uh, to get a little peek into the lives of anybody that, that has a story to tell. And, you know, just looking <laughs> around, it seemed like you might. Yeah. A few well, of them. I actually just got the diamond catalog today, so it's it's a ritual for me every month. I usually go through it twice, so you know I go through it 
look for things that I might want, and then I check it again just to make sure I haven't missed anything. So. Now, you've never seen this, have you, Richard? No, I'm, no. I'm not. Okay. So uh, imagine uh, imagine a, a, I don't know, it has the consistency of a phone book. It's about that, you know, the, one of the thinner phone books. Mm-hmm. It has that, that thickness, the thin pages. On every page, it will have some basic breakdowns like you was talking about the comic books. But also, you can get all the neat... It was one of the first places you could really get the neat geekery in. The little statuettes and the other accoutrement that can make any nerd cave uh, truly repellent of ever having a date. I see. Yeah, toys, games, you know, T-shirts, apparel. It's just, it's got everything in it. It comes out every month. Yeah, and like I said, for comics, it previews stuff two months in advance. But some of the stuff that's in there, they solicit it real early, and it might be coming out for like ten months or next well, year sometime. Dang. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is kind of, kind of fantastic. It's, it's, it's a dream book. It's really a dream book. So. <laughs> So where did you go to study, Did or I should ask, did you go to study the art of writing at a university, or is this something that just kind of grew out of your own interest? Oh, yeah. I went to school for writing. Um, I went to Oswego State uh, University in New York. Um, I originally was at Stony Brook on Long Island, and I went there to be a scientist. I, I wanted to be an archaeologist slash paleontologist because I had a love for dinosaurs back then too uh, but when I went to school um, I also had a love for Indiana Jones as well uh, so I was wondering I to, <laughs> so when I went to school I found out you actually you know don't get to punch Nazis and use a bullwhip you basically use a brush and you know brush dirt for hours and hours so that didn't really appeal to me and um, I had to take some English classes and I got to write some stories and my uh, English teacher told me that my stuff was really good and I should consider being an English major but he said that the school was not good for writing and that I should transfer somewhere. So I wasn't that enchanted with Long Island anyway, so uh, I decided to transfer to Oswego State, and they had a great writing program. Uh, it was neat because you can choose different tracks, like fiction, nonfiction, poetry, screenwriting, and then you could fo- you pick two of them, and then you follow the tracks like all the way through. And that's what you get uh, your degree in. Uh, it's called English Writing Arts. So I quite enjoyed uh, my time there. Um, so yeah, I started writing a lot of stories. I got into journalism. Um, I did. Uh, I worked for some comic book websites, and uh, I did interviews for the Comics Journal um, early on. So I was involved in comics, like active in it, but I just never really decided to actually write comics i think maybe once or twice uh but i always try to get an artist and my friends never really followed through so um then life gets in the way you get a job and you just don't think about it um until later and 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 you said you 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 grew up in the in new in the new york area and are you're in the like northwest indiana chicago area now yeah, I'm a, I'm a, just north of Chicago right now. So I've lived out here since 2000. Okay, so I, my question was going to be, what brought you out here then? I'm writing actually. Um, where Syracuse is kind of, they don't have a lot. If you're going to be a writer or an editor or a journalist, you don't have a lot of options in Syracuse. Um, it was kind of economically depressed when I was growing up. I think it's it's making a, a comeback. It, you know, there's a lot more businesses growing there now. But at the time, if you wanted to do something like that um, in writing, 
um, you really had to go to a big city. And so for me, it was either New York or Chicago. And my girlfriend at the time also was thinking about um, going into uh, publications. And so she actually interviewed um, in a town outside of Chicago and got that job. And so I just decided to uh, come with her out here. And uh, yeah, I've been here ever since. Nice. Chicago is a fantastic area, especially if you are uh, interested in some of the larger conventions and things uh, that happened. Uh, John, which, like we mentioned, we talked to yesterday, just got back from C2E2. Did you make the, uh, the, the journey to that convention as well? I did. I did. I had a table there, and it was a great, great show. Yeah, we had an exclusive for Voracious and sold out of that and just had our best show we've ever had. We consider it uh, Jason Muir. He's the artist on, our, on Voracious with, with me um, uh, and my buddy. Uh, we've been doing that show. I think this is the fourth year. I've been going there every year um, as a fan or as a journalist part of the press but then you know when i started writing comics we started getting a table there so i believe this was the fourth year for us at c2e2 yeah it, it's uh, it's kind of a, an interesting dilemma that, that 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 was illustrated to us a little bit last night in that you get a table and you're generally at the table and you don't really get to go out and do much of anything <laughs> <laughs> that's true i mean i did do some things I did something. So I, 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 I'm, there's a couple things I like doing. So um, there's some comic books that I, I want to get old issues of um, that I might have had as kids but maybe got water damage or I just never collected. Um, so what I do is I'll go and look through the back issues. Um, and the series I'm trying to get is the old Conan books from Marvel. So I don't buy them online. I just go to the shows and do it old school like it used to be. Hmm. Because nice. I really liked the thrill of the hunt. You know, you, you can get anything now. It's like instant gratification. You can find everything on eBay. Um, but I like to go and look for those issues and just buy them there and kind of capture what it was like when I was young and I found these key issues. Um, the other thing I like doing is getting signatures. Um, I have a lot of uh, hard covers, and I actually bind some of my comic books too. Hmm. So um, I got a few of those as well. Um, I got to... Um, meet Chris Claremont again. We were talking about X-Men and he was wow. a, a big writer for me. And um, he actually did three novels based on the movie Willow. You remember Willow? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So I didn't know that he wrote these novels, the sequels to Willow, until very recently. There's a, uh, a bookstore, a sci-fi bookstore that I love. It's my favorite uh, bookstore in all of Chicago called Bucket O' Blood. Mm -hmm. And um, they had one of these, like a paperback that said Chris Claremont sequel to Willow. And my friend, uh, the captain and I were in there and he ended up buying it because we looked it up and found out it was the Chris Claremont who did all the X-Men stuff. So I went out and found the hardcovers and um, the three of them and I brought them to him and he was surprised because I don't think most people bring him those books. They mostly bring in X-Men comics. So that was pretty fun because he, he told me a story for almost 15 minutes about him and George Lucas and how he tried to do an interview with them but didn't have the recorder on and I felt a little oh. bit bad because, you know, the line for him, you know, it's, it can be it long. Yeah, it's got to be uh, huge. Yeah, but I was third in line, and the two guys in front of me had suitcases full of comics. 
So even though I was third in line, I had to wait 50 minutes just to get up to Chris Claremont. So that kind of helped a little bit when he, when he told me the story, but you know, he was pretty happy to see those books, I think, because he just doesn't see them that often. Um, but they're, they're really good. You know, he wrote them with George Lucas and, uh, you know, I love the will of the movie. So it was cool that, uh, he really got to build that world up a little bit more. Um, and I love that kind of stuff. You know, I don't know how I never knew about that. Um, but it's cool that you discover something, you know, one of your heroes from childhood did this, this other work, um, that you didn't know about is really kind of a fun find. Yeah. That's kind of fantastic. Um, you know, and that brings up a point, and you probably may know this more than me, just a matter of uh, etiquette. I've always wondered, you know, about the people that do that, bring the suitcase full of comic books. Yeah. That seems seems like bad form to me. <laughs> I mean, I agree. It is. I mean, a lot, of, um, a lot of professionals will put a cap on it, so I'm surprised Chris Claremont didn't, but he also charges for autographs. So, you know, if they're bringing a suitcase, he's making a lot of money oh, yeah. off of that. Because uh, I believe his autographs were $10, and, and last year they were $5. So, um, wow. you know, I, that's always tough, too. You know, Chris Claremont doesn't work, do a lot of comics these days, so I, I don't mind that he charges. And, you know, the travel and everything, you know, it is expensive to, to go to those conventions. But um, I still think there should be a cap on it, you know. <laughs> If, if I was in that position, I would put a cap on, on how many books you could bring up because, you know, you don't want people waiting there oh, yeah. forever, you know? It's like you're taking away the experience from somebody else that's in line. And um, fortunately, Chris Claremont is very laid back. Like, he, he doesn't rush. He'll tell you a story. You know, he, he really is friendly and, and wants to meet everybody who comes to the line. That's kind of, that's fantastic. And I will probably say that several more times, but, you know, that's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I also, I got to um, talk to Jason Aaron again, who does Thor. And um, um, way back, I like a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago, there was a Morrison con for, for Grant Morrison that yeah. was held in Las Vegas. And it was one of the best cons I've ever been to because um, you paid like a, um, you know, a set price for airfare and lodging and everything. And um, the convention was different because you got to interact with all the different creators and like play games with them. And all the sessions were about creating things. And um, that convention was really what got me to think about doing comic books actually. Um, And I've met like friends who I still hang out with from that convention. Uh, and it just was no, nothing like it, you know, except for Fable Town and Beyond. That was another convention that was kind of like Morrison Con, where it was more about the creativity um, than it was about, hey, we're going to promote this book or that book. Um, but Jason Aaron was there, and um, I make my own mead. And so he had been announced on Thor, but the book hadn't come out yet. And uh, I brought my mead to give to him. And he had never even had mead before. So uh, I took his mead virginity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe that's why mead is such a prominent fixture in uh, Thor is because I gave him that. And I told him, you know, if you're going to do Thor, you have to put mead in the book. You do? Yes. So uh, seeing him again was really cool. You know, I've corresponded with him over the years. And, uh, you know, now I have some of the hard covers that have been coming out. And um, the whole creative team for Thor on the last uh, couple series uh, with Jane Foster as Thor. Um, the whole team was there, Russell Dowderman and um, uh, Matt Wilson. I, think I might have that wrong. 
um, the colorist. So that was cool to get those signatures and just to see Jason Aaron again. So I, I like those kind of moments. But, you know, other than that, you know, I did not go on the floor that often because it was crowded, man. It was really crowded. I felt happy that I had a place uh, for refuge just to <laughs> hang out by the table. Now, do you do a, uh, let's call it a circuit? Is there a, a, a few of the conventions that you were surefire hit up every single year? Or, like, is there, are there, is it growing? Like, this year, maybe four, next year, six, and, and so on? Um, no, I don't, I don't have a circuit. I actually try to do different cons. C2E2 is a standard for us because we consider that our hometown show. Um, I like NWI con. Um, I always seem to do well there and, and, and people are really friendly and always come back and it's the one day show. Um, so I'll do similar shows or the same shows here, uh, within the area. But, um, every year I try to do at least one show on the West coast and one show on the East coast. And I have not done the same ones. Um, and that's about as much as I do. I haven't really tried to do a ton of shows just because, you know, it gets pretty expensive and, um, you know, we're, we do an indie book. So people know of us, but we're not, it's not like we're have a line like Chris Claremont and can charge $10 for an autograph. And I'm also a writer. So artists, it's easier for them to do conventions because they can do commissions um, while they're there, you know, they can sell art prints. Um, I can't sell that kind of stuff. I'm really just selling the books. Um, so I, I make less money. Nobody um, commissioned stories from you? <laughs> no. People said that, oh, I write poems. Like, nobody's going to buy that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> although I have thought, I have done one cover. I've drawn one cover for Voracious. Um, I'm a really slow artist. Uh so I might do some more and I've been thinking about what I might be able to do for art that I could sell like, um, holiday cards or something like that. But, um, I also try to choose conventions, uh, where I know people so that I, I just think of them more as a, as a vacation. So I'm going to be going to, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And one of my very best friends, Dan is there and he, we're going to share a table. Um, he hand carves superheroes and other characters out of wood. And they're just fantastic. So um, we'll split a table and have lots of beer and, and have a good time. So that's what I really look forward to. Fun. Um, so is Voracious your, your like your first book, or had you worked on some other comics previously? I know you said you had done some other, you know, publication work and some journalistic work. Is this like your your very first foray, or did you kind of like dip a toe in and do like a guest writing spot on something, or? Anything like that? No, it's my first comic. I did one other comic book. It was a, well, I did an eight-page story called Never Alone. It was a horror story, and I did it for this Irish anthology called Lightning Strikes. Um, that was my very first published work, and, and Jason did the art on it, and Andre, our colorist, uh, did the colors on it. Um, that came out before Voracious did. Um but, you know, as far as, like, first series, first really, you know, getting into the industry, Voracious is the, the first and really the only comic um, I've had published so far. You know, of course, I'm working on other things. But, um, but yeah, it's the first one, but we feel really lucky because we're on the third volume. You know, it's, that doesn't always happen for, for new creators. Well, wow. uh, so one of the other things that we noticed, uh, so, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you actually... 
the, the comic was obviously a thing that was focused on a lot of the cons and stuff like that, but you do um, a podcast as well. Is that correct? Yes. I, I'm actually on two podcasts. Yeah. So, um, well, I used to do a, a podcast with my friends called the I Kick Your Face Comicast, mm-hmm. and that ran for about uh, maybe like 71 episodes. Um, but we record every week because I, really I started that podcast um, because I just wanted to bullshit with my friends who aren't in the same town as me. And um, so we talk every week and I run the cast and, um, you know, that cast ended just because I got really busy and I didn't want to do all the production work and, you know, come up with all the topics and, you know, do the editing and everything. Um, I like doing it, but, you know, it's a lot of time sometimes. So um, we still started talking and then it just happened to, to morph into a, a different podcast. And uh, so we launched a new one uh, now that I have more time. And um, it's called the Pop Culture Kickdown. And uh, um, there's only two episodes out. We're only doing it every month. I'm not really promoting it that much because we're really just doing it for fun. But I thought it'd be cool to, to get them up in case people want to listen to them. But it's basically a versus cast. It's uh, We take two pop culture items it could be two movies two comics two toys you could take uh, a tv show versus a comic and then we compare them against each other and uh, we have categories um to do that with um and it it's been really fun we have a lot of those episodes in the can Hmm. um you know just because we've been recording for a while but yeah it just morphed into that and i also wanted to do that because the I Kick Your Face comic cast was a lot about comics and I wasn't writing comics at the time. So we were critiquing a lot of that stuff. But now that I'm in comics, a lot of the, the creators, they're, they're my peers. So I didn't want to do um, critiques about comics as much, you know, now that I'm a part of that. So I wanted to shift it a little bit to something else. Um, so yeah, so that's just launched. We have two episodes out. We did two Von Damme films in the first one. Ooh, nice. Um, and then we did uh, Con Air versus Snakes on a Plane. And uh, it's pretty funny, you know, we just have a good time. We drink beers and we, we discuss these things and we find out which one is better. Um, and then I'm also on um, another podcast called the Metalheads Podcast. I'm, a, I'm really into heavy metal. So um, they put out a call these guys they've been doing it for a few years and they put out a call for guests to, to come on if they wanted listeners who just wanted to maybe come on and bullshit about metal and so of course i wanted to do that so i did it you know they, we talked about voracious and i participated in their they've got little segments that they do on the cast and uh, they liked having me on so uh, they invited me back to do like a year in review where we talk about the top 25 metal albums and um, had a blast doing that, and then they invited me to be the sixth man on the uh, podcast. So basically nice. uh, what I'm going to do is uh, I don't go on every episode, but if somebody can't make a show, then I, I'll fill in. And then they do uh, top 25 okay. metal albums in the mid-year and then at the end of the year, and I'm, I'm, I'll be on those casts. So, um, And I'm also going to do something else. I'm going to start uh, writing a uh, – an interview column for the Metalhead site so we can have even more content up there. Um, I, I just secured the first interview today. So it's going to be called 10 Horns and that's 10 Questions of Metal Man. So I'm looking forward to doing that too. Nice. 
So now that that review was that just for the year, or was that for like all years? That first one that you did uh, for the Metalheads podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, the one I did it was the year oh. uh, just like 2018. Ah. Best twenty five metal albums. Everybody picks their top twenty five when we mm-hmm. go through the list and talk about them, and um, it's really fun. It's like it was almost six hours of casting. It was what I like about the Metalheads guys is that, you know, they just feel like friends, uh, you know, drinking beer and talking about stuff we like, which is what I like on my podcast, you know? So, um, and I, that's why I started listening to Metalheads because I felt like I, I don't have anybody really to talk about metal. Um, I don't have a lot of friends who are into it. So, um, it was nice to, to go on that cast and be able to, to talk about something that's really dear to my heart. And now these guys have become my friends and, in a couple weeks, uh, we're all going to the Decibel Metal and Beer Festival out in Philadelphia, and I'll get to meet all those guys for the first time. But, I mean, we're constantly chatting on instant message and stuff, so it's really neat to, to make friends who have the similar interests. Yeah, I only really brought that up because I wanted to know how high Injustice for All got on the on the list. I, I mean, because once you listen to that, what else do you really need to listen to? Well, That's the last good uh, Metallica album, so. <laughs> You're you're not wrong. Gee, I, I was I was inquiring to see, um, you know, obviously last year's list would included any of them, but uh, how how Guar made it into any of your lists that were not 2018. <laughs> I don't think Guar makes the list for us. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like I was saying to him, that immediately brought you up in my esteem. <laughs> I didn't see Guar anywhere. It's like ah, wonderful. <laughs> I like Guar, but I don't believe it was on anybody's list. Because they did have an album recently. I don't know if it was last year. I think it was last year, actually. They, they put out a new album. But have you seen Guar perform? I have not. I don't, I don't necessarily think that I'd have much of a companion to go to. None of my friends <laughs> seem to appreciate the quality that is Guar. So I, I, when I was younger, I collected every single album, every single VHS tape that they had created. Uh, so I watched as, I watched as much of it as I can in the pre-internet era, you know, so I was, I was all about it. And then now it's a little bit more accessible. The band's not the same. It's evolved a lot, but it's just, it's not the same now. They, they actually have a comic book out. It came out last year uh, based on Guar. I, I don't forget what it's called. It's like Guarmageddon or Gasma Guar. I don't know. Some crazy thing. But <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I've been meaning to check it out. I just haven't. I, I never try and deride any individual that creates something, but they just still seem like the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics of heavy metal. I just I, I couldn't couldn't quite get into it. Hey man, I love Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> uh, uh, have you been to one recently? <laughs> no, but you know, I thought about it because you, know, you used to go. Well, they had the animatronics with the strobe lights, and you could go under the stage when you were a kid. Yeah. And they had all that, that those balls where you could die for for uh, coins and everything. But you know, somebody pointed out, it's like you know how diseased and gross those balls must be. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You, never, you never think about that when you're a kid. Of course, before Chuck E. Cheese, it was showbiz pizza. It's true. Right. Gosh, showbiz. I wonder how the pizza is, because you know when you're a kid, too, 
that pizza's the best because you're you're at a place that you yeah. love and you get the pizza. But I'm sure that pizza's pretty bad. Well, it's, it's awful. Well, yeah. well, people, I, I've read even gosh recently in the last month some article about how people seem to think the pizza at that place is just like it's that it's that bad pizza, but it's really good. Like the people seem to love the pizza there. I was like, how? Like you can't love the it's pizza. It's been at a that couple place. of years, but I had it, and it 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 made my stomach not very happy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I've become more of a food snob since I moved out to Chicago for sure because there's just so many great places. You know, I don't need to go to, you know, chains like that anymore. So, um, in fact, I just got pizza tonight from my local place. Well, Chicago yeah. pizza is pretty awesome. Yeah, we, we inquired about that a little bit. Are you uh, <laughs> I mean, you grew up in New York. Are you a New York, uh, New York style pizza or are you Chicago style pizza? You know, I prefer New York style. I like the big, floppy, greasy slices. I think those are the best. I, I like Chicago pizza quite a bit, um, but I don't think anything can beat that New York style pizza. And the way that cheese just kind of like melts and falls off in your mouth, like it's, it's perfect. So, um, but you know, I like the deep dish and the Chicago style. And, you know, there's a lot of really good thin crust in Chicago too. People always think that, you know, it's Chicago style, but I think they... Most of the places do a better job at the uh, the thin crust pizza out here. Yeah, are you are you like uh, obviously there's lots of local places. Are you but are you like a a, a Gino's East or a Lou Malnati's or like a Giordano's? Uh, my favorite uh, pizza place in Chicago is Pequod's. Hmm. So I'm not familiar yeah. with that one. It's usually on uh, most of the best of lists. Yeah, I really like Pequod's. Yeah, if you get a chance, go there. I would also highly recommend um, the Oven Grinder and Pizza Company because they basically make a pizza pot pie. It's very different than anything you've ever had, but uh, and they do these grinder, you know, sandwiches that are amazing. But uh, the pizza pot pie is pretty crazy. Hmm. That's pretty unique to Chicago. But but yeah, Pequod's I think would probably be my favorite. Um, but you know, there's lots of great pizza places out here. Yeah, the ones you mentioned are you know are good. So, oh, I wanted to get back to this. Uh, we, we, we sort of drifted away from it. But uh, being a big, you're talking about a little bit being a, 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 a kind of a, becoming a food snob. I, I feel in some ways I've become a bit of a comic book snob. And sometimes it's hard for me to, to get into some of the newer ideas. And it just every time DC resets its universe, I want to tear my hair out. Um, but... So you have no hair. Uh, well, you would be surprised. It grows back very quickly. That's my superpower. But um, so you're talking about the uh, the run with uh, Jane Foster as as Thor, and I was fully prepared to hate that uh, when it happens. Like, oh, female Thor. This is you know just another gimmick kind of thing. And I was so surprised at how much I liked that particular run uh, of story um, what did you think of some of the other changes that Marvel made at the same time because they tried to go in a different direction with a lot of the titles did you keep up with the other stuff uh, you know I don't read too many of the superhero books these days which is crazy because you know growing up I read a lot of that stuff but um, I quite like Amazing Spider-Man um, that's coming out now Um Daredevil is my favorite, so no matter what happens with Daredevil, I'm always going to buy that book. Uh, fortunately, the 
the runs on Daredevil have been really good. If you look at some other characters uh, over the years, some of the runs are really not that good. But yeah. Daredevil has been pretty fortunate that most of the runs have been excellent. Um, other than that, I don't. Um, I, I like the the new Hulk book. It's a horror book now. Oh yeah, it's it's taking that's an interesting cool. turn. Yes, that's very different, you know. And I haven't really read Hulk. I think probably since the Bruce Jones stuff, and he was doing a horror version of Hulk. So, um, you know, obviously Peter David, but then uh, when Bruce Jones did it, he, you know, he did a, a horror take on the book, and now and now we have that as well. Um, but yeah, I think other than that, I think those are the only Marvel books. Moon Knight, I love. is my one of my favorite characters too. Ah, uh, um, crazy Batman. I like the street level characters, but uh, um, so I'll read any books that come out with Moon Knight in it, but um, you know, I haven't really, really loved the book since maybe the Warren Ellis um, stuff that he did uh, with Declan Shelby, who was at C2E2 actually I got him to sign my uh, my Moon Knight trade paperback, but nice. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think of um, I don't, let me see, I'll bring up my uh, comics list I do a spreadsheet for comics. <laughs> I, I feel like we are kindred spirits. I do a spreadsheet for everything. Yeah, I do too. Vacations, you know. See, with me, the way I do it is I like to always have a plan in advance, especially with vacations. But when I get there, I'm cool with the, the plans changing. I'm yeah. cool with being uh, spontaneous as long as I have, you know, something in place that I can fall back on. So, um, you know, I've been just doing... I think it happened with the with the previous catalog, the Diamond previous catalog, because yep. you know there's so many things that you have to keep track of, and uh, um, I just started making lists for it. But um, yeah, Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, I like the Nick Spencer, Ryan Otley run quite a bit. Um, I, I read Spider Gwen as well. I, I just like that character. Um, the stories have been pretty good throughout that. Um, it isn't my favorite book, but I think the character is really neat. Um, and then Conan the Barbarian. So Jason Aaron's also writing that. So I told you how I'm trying to get all the old Marvel Conans, but I'm also enjoying uh, the new Conan the Barbarian by uh, Jason Aaron. Um, especially the last issue, the, the number four was really good. And um, I'm also getting um, the sister book, um, the Savage Sword of Conan. I was going to say I didn't know I didn't know Conan had a sister. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. But yeah, I think those are the only, and then four, of course. But that, those are the only Marvel books that I'm that I'm reading currently. And um, with DC, it's even less. So um, I mostly read indie books. But with DC, it's really just Batman, and um, I like uh, the Wildstorm by uh, Warren Ellis. I think it's a terrific book. There's so many good books out there right now. It's just hard to keep track of everything. So I, I've got to throw a, a, a flashback to you, though. You're talking about liking Moon Knight, and he was also one of my favorite characters. Now, I started really following him back in the West Coast Avengers days. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know nice. if you, you remember that particular run. I do, yeah. Okay. Do you remember, it was actually technically a, an annual, uh, if I remember correctly, where the the whole team was kidnapped and taken to a moon. These aliens were going to invade the Earth, and the Avengers are the fiercest protectors, and they want to be able to overcome everything. So they're going to test each one of them, and the robot would learn from all of the different powers and become more... Did you ever remember that one? 
I don't remember that particular one now. It's, it's Are you one of my. Tell me the rest of the story. No. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got, I got to now. So you know, they're going one by one. At that point, it's Hawkeye and Iron Man and Mockingbird and Tigra and Moon Knight, and so the the whole bit is. You know, Wonder Man goes first and, of course, just obliterates the thing in one punch. No, it gets better. And each time it's harder to beat because it's it's uh, compensated for everything. And the last person to go is Moon Knight. And so now that it's basically immune to everything, he's not sure how he's got a chance to defeat this thing and, and save everybody and, and overload it. And then Khonshu, who is still in his head, goes, you know, just look around. And it's like, oh, we're on a moon. Next to like thirty other moons. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just toasts it. Uh, it was such a fun bit of writing. I couldn't help it. It, it made me giggle back then. It still makes me giggle when I think about it now. Oh, cool! I hope you still have that issue. I, I pull do. Pull it out whenever you want. I do. I had that's one of the few <laughs> runs that I kept was the West Coast Adventure. Even up and through, I love the John Byrne run that he did on West Coast Avengers. That that was so much fun. So. We're, you know, coming to a close in our time frame where we think that we might lose the attention span of the average listener. So, (laughs) (laughs) what I want to to make sure that we do is any upcoming projects or any neat things that you want to plug or talk about that you're going to be involved with, uh, now would be a fantastic time. Yeah, so our, our third volume of Voracious is coming out uh, starting this May, and it's called uh, Voracious Appetite for Destruction. And the first issue drops on uh, May 29th, so it'll be in comic shops then. And then a week later, the second issue's out. So I don't know how the Action Lab, our publisher, managed to pull that off, but um, the first two issues are coming out back-to-back. Um, and that's a five-issue series, and um, it's going to conclude uh, the story that we started in the first two volumes, and uh, just really excited about that. Um, you know, if you're interested in, in knowing more about Voracious, um, you can check us out on Twitter or Facebook. It's uh, at Voracious Comic. Um, my website is uh, marcasan.com. It's M-A-R-K-I-S-A-N. And I uh, put a bunch of stuff up there. You can see previews of the book pages and uh just find out more about what's going on i got a bunch of other projects in the works but can't talk about those yet (laughs) so (laughs) now we did we did neglect one small thing that makes voracious so different from other comics and you told me about this when we talked in nwi and that was the uh recipe aspect oh yeah Mm -hmm. so tell us how how cool is it? What what do you include that makes people's mouth water drop onto the page and makes them buy a new issue of your comic book? <laughs> well, the, the recipes is something I thought of right when I thought of the concept because you know it's about cooking and eating dinosaurs, uh, at least in the beginning. So um, you know I thought oh we need to have actual recipes with dinosaur meat. And then we tell you what, what the substitute meat is so that you can make their recipes if you want. So it's cool because it started off with some of my recipes and then I got some of my friends because, you know, we're new to comics. But as we went along, we started to get real chefs uh, from different cities. And um, we've done a few limited edition comics when we go to conventions. And uh, whenever we do that, I try to get a chef from that area 
uh, to give us a recipe. And um, so when we went to San Diego Comic-Con, we got a recipe from a chef in San Diego, um, and we did a San Diego-inspired cover. And when we went to uh, Baltimore Comic-Con, we actually got two recipes from chefs in Baltimore to put in the back of the book. And we got a, a cover artist uh, who's from Baltimore. So we tried to do um, like a area-specific books um, and cuisine, too, you know, something that's a little bit different. So we've got quite a few recipes in the books. You could almost make our own like recipe book. Uh, out of everything that's come out of it, but it's just been it's been fun. We like to give people a little something extra, um, and that's something you can actually use. And there's been fans who have made the recipes, and they they send pictures of uh, of what they've done. Um, we had one uh, woman make a chili recipe in there and won second place in a, a contest for chili. So nice. Uh, yeah, it's it's been really cool. You know, uh, we've actually signed at butcher shops. <laughs> You know, in restaurants, so uh, we, we try to do something different. Our book is very unique. There hasn't ever really been a book like our book, um, so we also try to do different kinds of promotions that you know people haven't thought of or haven't seen before, um, and it's just been a blast. You got to get a hold of Hanna Barbera people and do a crossover with the Flintstones, man. I mean, it's just <laughs> like a gimme right there. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. No, that's pretty fun. That's. In a world where it's a lot of similar things, maybe not the same similar things, it's a good way to be unique and differentiate yourself, especially when you add that that added feature with the with the recipes. That's like that's a really solid idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks, man. I mean, there's a lot of comics out now. You know, uh, when I was growing up, they didn't have as many comics, and it's I think there's almost too many comics now. Um, just they're coming out left and right. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with it's getting picked up by Hollywood. Everything's getting picked up. So, um, you know, there's just an excess of comics. So in order to stand out, you know, you, you have to first, I think, have a really strong idea that people haven't done. And, and, and then if you can do something else to, you know, spotlight your book, um, to show that it is unique in this like sea of comics, you know, you should do that. So, um, it, this one, it just came naturally to me. Um, but you know, when I do feature books, I, I hope that I have something like that, that'll also, um, showcase how different uh, those books are as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much for coming on to the show and giving us a chance to get to know you a little better and get to know your work a little bit better. And, uh, maybe in the future we can, uh, uh, collaborate again you know we're we're doing this uh series that's probably going to take us the next 20 years to finish where we are going through <laughs> the history of comic book movies mm-hmm. and uh wow. it's uh it's a labor of love oh cool boys no i really appreciate you having me on uh, you know i love doing podcasts you know if you, if you want somebody to come on just to, to talk about the history of movies i would definitely do that too so anytime you want to have me back, I would be happy to do that. Killer, killer. Thank you again. All right, boys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.